What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing out there? It's your boy, TJ, and I'm back with another episode of The Soapbox. Man, it feels so good to be here talking to you guys today. Good morning to you, good evening to you, good afternoon, good night, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. I want to tell you I feel so proud to be alive in America right now. The awakening is happening and people are opening their eyes everywhere. So we're going to continue this journey and with no further ado, we're going to jump on into the episode. All right, so today we're going to be doing something a little bit different than what we've done so far with the soapbox. Um, Usually what I am doing is I am coming to you guys uh, from an angle of trying to elevate the mind, open people up to new ways of thinking, not saying that the thought process I'm presenting to you is the only way to approach anything. Um, I wouldn't be that narcissistic, I guess. What I am saying is that normally what we're trying to do is we're trying to kind of awaken people. Well, today we're going to start a series that I call The Clan. And no, I'm not talking about the KKK. Definitely not talking about anybody that uh, you may know about from mainstream media or anything like that. What I'm talking about is my time that I spent inside of a cult. It is definitely an experience that I feel like many people can gain knowledge from, gain understanding from. And uh, and not only am I going to talk about the, the 10 years that I was inside of this group, but I'm also going to talk about the three years that I spent after this group trying to piece my, my life and my mind back together. So one of the things that I did, well, first off, let me say this. This is going to be a long series, all right, because there's so much that happened within that 13-year time span that there's no way possible that I could talk about all of that in the time span of a 20 to 30-minute episode. So this series is probably going to last a lot longer than the last one um, because what I what I intend to do is I intend on Um, actually breaking this thing up so that you really get a full understanding of all of the dynamics that were going on inside of this group. Now, one thing that I did, uh, and I really appreciate all of the support and love that I got from people who sent me questions through uh, Facebook and Messenger and email. It's, It's really, really, really wonderful uh that you guys did that and i thank you i got so many that i'm kind of trying to break things down so that people kind of get a general idea and answer to the questions that they ask now this first episode is more of a overview because i kind of want to warm you up to the idea of what it was like living inside of a cult so i'm going to give you some general understandings and i'm going to definitely answer questions that were sent to me uh so that i can try to give people the best understanding of of where i stood and where we were but as we go on i'm going to be a lot more specific so like next week's next week's episode is called the early years and i'm going to talk about how i actually got in how how the whole thing began 
and then we'll break up things like that. Uh, I'm going to have an episode on relationships and finances and the sacrifices that were made uh, inside of this group. So it's, it's a lot of information. I'm going to spread it out a good deal so that nobody's overwhelmed. But I really, truly, truly want to connect with the essence of what really went on inside of this group. Now, the first question that I'm going to have to answer and it was sent to me is why talk about this experience? Well, understand. And and normally with these soapbox episodes, I have notes and things like that. This is all candid guys. I'm coming straight from experience, straight from the head. I only wrote down a few things and everything else is just kind of flowing. Okay. So understand this is not going to be really chopped up or anything like that, but I want you to get the authentic understanding. So the reason for me doing this episode, uh, for one, is to inform people of the threat. Because a lot of people don't really believe that there is a real live threat to them or one of their loved ones, a child, a brother, sister, being involved in a gang or a cult or a destructive organization. The truth of the matter is, is it's actually much more prevalent than you may think. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this huge, fully organized group that your child or your companion or you actually gets involved in. It, it doesn't have to be large. I mean, when the group that I was a part of, when we started out, there was only about four or five of us. Throughout the time that I was with this group, more than 50 lives were directly involved in the internal workings of this group. And we were in, I mean, we started out in Sheraw, South Carolina. I mean, I know some of you guys that are listening, you know, you you know what that is because you live there or you drive through there. But there's a lot of people that are listening to this podcast. You probably have no idea where Sheraw, South Carolina is. And that's understandable. But understand it's a small town. And in that small town, you had a full-blown cult operating. So people need to know about the threat. Another reason that I'm doing this is because I want to relate to the people who might be in these situations right now. I don't know who's out there that could be tied into some type of destructive organization and feel like you're alone. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. Listen, I've been there. I've lived it. I understand it. I understand your pain. I understand your struggle. And I am willing to do anything I can to help you not go through the, the trials, the tribulations, the, the, the anger, the frustration, the pain that I had to go through. And I had to witness other people go through by me being inside of this group. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're in a situation that you need help getting out of, contact me. I can help you. I have no problem connecting you to people near you that can get you out if you need police help authorities whatever the case may be i used to run the gang operation at my prison if you have a problem let me know i will help you so understand that i know that there are people out there that are struggling with this problem and you need assistance so if you need me i'm here now Another reason for me doing this podcast is because a lot of the people that are still around that were involved in this group with me, people that went through just as much, sometimes more than what I went through in this group, have said to me since I've been doing the podcast, well, are you going to uh, are you going to ever talk about, you know, what we went through? 
And my res- my response to them has always been, yes, eventually I'm going to say something. Eventually I'm going to talk about it. So I feel like there's no greater time than now. And we could go ahead and get this thing out there. In the next season when I'm doing interviews, I'm going to pull some of them in. And we're going to have some back and forth conversations about what we went through together. And some of them may have a little hostility towards me because inside of this group, I caused a lot of problems. I was one of the the higher ranking individuals and I laid a lot of ground rules and I enforced a lot of laws and I caused a lot of pain, a lot of struggle for people. So to come face to face with that is probably going to be a painful thing. But I think that that's a part of the healing process. I think that that's a necessity for you being able to get over and get to a point in life when you can actually move forward. You have to face that storm. So I'm, I'm willing to do it. If they're willing to do it in the next season, we'll sit down and have some real conversations and we'll let you guys hear it so that you can grow right along with us now another th- another question that i was asked and I, I'm, I'm sure this is a meat and potatoes question um so i'm definitely going to get this out here at, at, at a very basic level i received a question that said well what is or what was the clan so basically what you what you have to understand is that people think about cult gang destructive organization when you hear those words people think it's such a such a broad spectrum of ideas the truth of the matter is it is very broad you can have so many different types of groups that are operating you've got cults and gangs and destructive organizations out there right now that are operating under the disguise of churches missions all types of different fellowships just different things that are going on out there right now and it's hard for you to put any of them inside of a a specific box because there are elements that go along with the makeup of what makes them destructive, but their operations may be different depending on how they maneuver in society. If you've got a really exclusive group, then you might not even see them operating. They may have agents that go out every day and work for the collective, but the, the vast majority of the collective, you never see. They're either behind closed doors or or they move in, in real secrecy, whatever the case may be. And the only individuals that you see are the ones that actually come out and deal with the public. So the group that I was in, the clan, what I consider the clan, this is what we're going to call them. In all honesty, that's what we used to call ourselves. And there's a reason for that, and I'm going to tell you that uh, in another episode. But the clan was a small group of individuals that were brought together by one guy. Now, when I talk about this guy, I'm going to use a term that we used to use when we first started learning from him, and that's Sifu, all right? That is the Chinese term for teacher or or master, uh, mostly a martial arts terminology. And I'm going to use Sifu. Now, Understand the reason why I'm using that terminology is because this gentleman is still alive. He's still operating out there. As a matter of fact, just the other day, I watched a video of him because he's now in California. And I try to keep tabs on his movements because I don't trust him. And I don't trust him not to attempt to do something negative towards me or anybody that was affiliated in this group. So I don't want to say his real name out of the possibility that he could say that I'm trying to uh, destroy his character. 
Or he may want to sue me for utilizing his name or his likeness in this recording. So I'm not going to use his name. As a matter of fact, as I run through the gambit of situations that we've been through, I'm not going to use anybody's real name because I don't want anybody being uh, spotlighted and feel as though I am abusing their identity. Now, the, the clan was very unorthodox. And when I say that, I say that when I, as I talk about the belief system, because it had a multitude of beliefs. As a matter of fact, it was Christian based. Okay. But I mean, I practiced all kinds of stuff. It was a multitude of religious and spiritual practices that we utilize. As a matter of fact, I can tell you now, at one point in time, I was learning Christian blessings, Hindu prayers, and black magic all at the same time. I was learning meditation. As a matter of fact, to this very day, I probably know more than 200 different meditations from all kinds of different spiritual walks. I had special dieting that I operated under. I had all kinds of things. We used to write different types of towels and we practice Buddhism. We practice all kinds of uh, Taoism. I studied different deities from all types of walks of life. I mean, it was just amazing for, for a whole year and a half. I did nothing more than study the art of being a samurai. And I actually, I actually followed the timeline. So I would wake up at four in the morning and I would go to sleep at nine at night. I would get up every morning and I would train, 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 go to work, come home, train. Sometimes I would sit at Sifu's side for hours silently, not moving, not doing anything. Just whatever it is that he said, that's what I did in full servitude. So that is the level of understanding that you have to have as we move into the rest of this. So now I got a, a few more great questions that came to me. One of them was, what was the one event that made you join? And what was the one event that led to your escape? Now, that's an absolutely wonderful question. Ultimately, you guys are going to hear the extent of that question throughout this whole story that I'm going to be telling you. But it's kind of hard for me to pinpoint one event that caused me to join the group. Because when, when at the very beginning, and I'm going to talk about this in the next episode, but at the very beginning, in truth, I didn't know this guy. I knew nothing about this guy. I was, I was living my life, going to school. And, and you're talking about, you're talking about the summer of 1995. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the summer of 1995, moving into 1996. So I'm young. I'm young, man. I'm like 14, actually 13 going on 14. That's what I am. And I've been in martial arts my whole life, you know, ever since I was five years old. I mean, I've, I've been studying and training. I mean, I did the things that all kids want to do. So, you know, I'm looking at TV. I'm seeing Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles and all these different things. So I want to be that. So I'm going out and I'm taking part in all these martial arts classes. And my mom's taking me to church. And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to do the best that I can as a little kid. And this guy gets pointed in my direction. And before I know it, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find him, 
You know, in my in, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is this big martial arts guy that I can find. He's right here in town. Let me get with him. And I do, you know. So that's kind of how things moved at first. You know, it was just kind of me sort of seeking, seeking tutelage, seeking, seeking somebody to teach me, to take me further. And what I was trying to study at the time, to say that there was one event that led me to leave, to escape, man, I'd have to say that there was no major, major events. It was just the collective of a lot of things building up over time. And me actually starting to wake up. I will say this, though. There was a time period right there at the end where I had been trusted to date this female. And see, that's another part of this process that we're going to talk about. Because you couldn't, inside of the clan, you couldn't date a person unless it was approved by the clan. So Sifu had to give the final say-so. And usually there was a meeting that we would have to determine whether or not the female that you wanted to date was, first of all, worthy of you dating. But second of all, did we think that she was going to eventually be a worthy part of the clan? Because there's no point of you dating some female that's not going not gonna to support the clan, not going to build the clan up. So you just have to cut her off. And there was no questions about it. You know, you either you either cut her off or we would cut you off. And the problem with that is, is that our cutting you off meant a whole lot of pain and suffering. And at the point we had gotten to, it could have possibly meant your life. So I was dating a female at the time. And for for a little small period of time, I decided to test the water because Sifu was always discussing how he knew everything that we did. He was always talking about how there were deities and things that they sent with us to protect us and, and watch us. And they would report back to him and all kinds of crazy stuff. So a lot of times I would do little stuff with this female just to see if it got back, just to see if he knew, just to see if he actually was really, really, really talking about something that was legitimate or if this was as fabled and made up as i thought it was for years now make no mistake about it this is 10 years in ladies and gentlemen when i made this type of decision this was not early so let me make that clear because i don't want anybody to walk away from this thinking that the whole time i was of the mindset that what we were doing what we were striving for was illegitimate because i was not i wanted to believe it i needed to believe it so I believed it. Now, let me continue. Another great question. Who was the leader and why did he initially have the clout that made you follow him? Well, like I said, I'm not going to say his name. We're going to call him Sifu. Now, this guy was probably one of the most charismatic individuals you ever meet. And not only was he charismatic, but he was smart, very smart, very talented. And he was also an outstanding martial artist. I mean, I, I can't take anything away from his martial abilities. Was he a Jet Li or a Jackie Chan or somebody like that? No, but he was definitely by far one of the most profound that I had seen at the time. And then the things that he taught me and showed me were so profound. They were so elevated, next level understandings in the martial systems. But it wasn't just that though. One of the main reasons why I connected with this guy so much was because I wanted 
a strong male figure in my life. And see, that's one of the main reasons why I preach so much. I, I, I say it all the time that it is so vital, so important that men stay in the lives of their sons. Because men crave male attention. They crave male guidance. And if I had at the time the type of guidance, the type of presence that this guy was giving to me, then I don't think that I would have fell down that road so easily. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't have fallen. Trust and believe. I know game bangers that come from great homes, had wonderful families, and they just decided to go that route. I know people who have fallen into all kinds of destructive groups and organizations due to the fact that they were just missing something, but it wasn't a family thing. So don't think that I'm saying every man that does not have a father or a father in the home is going to fall victim for this type of situation. But what I will say is that it will happen more often than not. And that's something that we have to combat. And this guy presented so much of what I wanted in life from a father, from a brother, from somebody that was that, that strong. And I was missing that because mom couldn't give me that. Mom gave me everything she could. She was great, wonderful. I love her. I I cherish her. I cherish the life that we shared together when she was on this earth. But mom could not give to me what Sifu gave me. And not only did he give it, but he was willing to give it every day. He was willing to spend the time with me that no other man wanted to. And that matters. That matters. I learned at the age of 13, 14, I learned so much from him about being a man, about being who I was, about growing, not just martial arts, but thought process, calculation, planning. Because, see, when you became a member of the clan, you didn't become a member of the clan with the idea that you're a 13 or 14-year-old. No. You became a member of the clan with the idea that you were going to operate as a functional portion of the group. So I didn't really get much of a childhood past 13 or 14. All those little cool things that people did, like going to the prom and going to dances, going to football games. I went to two football games after I joined the clan. After that, Sifu said that it was too dangerous that there were enemies out there and energies out there that were threatened by what I was learning and how I was becoming. And they would try to attack me and anybody around me if I were out there operating that way. So if you go and look back at my high school years, after the first two football games of the year of 1996, you will never find me at any other football game after that. So that's more of what pulled me in so next question had anyone tried to contact you since leaving man so when i made my escape i left them with nothing i came to south carolina from baltimore maryland on a bus snuck on with nothing more than a bus ticket and the clothes that i had on and i come down south carolina my mom picks me up from florence south carolina she drives me to Sherrod. that night at my front door was another member of the clan they sent him down to come after me very traumatic night and despite all that i had done in this group i was terrified not so much to the point that 
I couldn't handle myself. But once you've spent 10 years of your life being indoctrinated on what happens when you leave an organization, whether it happens or not, it is in you. So in my mind, I had no win. I couldn't win. So I did what any normal person would do. I called the police. The police came. The guy was already gone. And they talked to me about the situation. I tried to give them as much information as I could. But in all honesty, it's kind of hard to put 10 years of cult life into a 15, 20-minute conversation with an officer. So I told him as much as I could, and he left. They went looking. I will give them that. When they came back, I was outside. You know, the officer actually questioned me as if I was wrong, as if I was baiting this person into assaulting me. That just made the night even worse. Not knowing my mental state, not knowing my physical condition. You, This guy didn't know what was going on with me, and he made me feel like I was wrong. There were a couple times after that that I received phone calls, emails, uh, messages, but no other attempts to physically see me. Next question. What would be the one thing that you would tell a young person that was thinking about going in this direction. The biggest thing that I would say to anybody that is thinking about joining a gang, a cult, or any destructive organization out there, don't. You are nothing more than a pawn to any group that is like this. They are predatorial groups. They just want to use you. And they're only, they're going to use you in multiple ways. They're going to use you for your resources. They're going to use you for your for your mind. They're going to use you as a body to do their bidding. And even if you show promise, even if you look like somebody that could actually be turned into something, just like the way this guy used me, they're going to use you to further their cause, to get more pawn and to get more individuals sucked into this vacuum of violence and destruction. You don't need to be that person. There are organizations out there that you can be every bit of what you want to be without them destroying you. I'll give you some advice, and I'm not necessarily throwing shots at anybody that's listening to this podcast, but if you want to really, really be a part of something and utilize your gifts and your abilities and everything like that, join the church. Join your local church and give yourself to their cause. Join the military and give yourself to the cause of helping this country. Join the police and, and be a part of change. Join an organization that is actually presenting something to you positive. Don't join anything where people want to prey on you and prey on other people through you. Don't do that. Now, Next question. And I think I kind of answered this one already, but did I seek to be a part of the game or did the game sort of seek me? Honestly, I want to say kind of both. Like I told you guys earlier, I was really looking for this guy. I didn't know who he was. I was pointing in his direction and I kind of went finding him. But once I found him, it was more of a, a push pull type thing. You know, at one minute, he didn't want students, but he did. You know, the, the 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 training was intense. Would I be able to do it? You know, all kinds of little things to kind of tease my interest into staying there. And like I said, this guy is super charismatic, man. He's trained in the ability to be able to manipulate people into doing and believing what he wants. So this guy, his whole character is fake. He is totally, totally a creation in itself. And not only did he 
show you this as we went on, but he also trained others to be the exact same way. So that's why it's, it's just it's so vital that you understand the danger that this type of person actually presents to the world. As an adult, do you have any regrets of being a part of this game? Honestly, I did a lot of bad things while I was in this group. Um, hurt a lot of people and caused a lot of pain for my family, for my friends, uh, for loved ones. But I, I, I don't know if I can ever say that I regret the experience because I don't know who I would be if I didn't go through it. You know, I, 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 I can't say that I'm perfect at the moment, but I can say that I, I really appreciate the man that I've developed into. And a large part of that, I have to say, came from this 13 years that I'm talking about. Um, I don't think that we can really, I don't think we can really be upset with the storm and with the rain without appreciating the flowers that bloom after, you know? So I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's a blessing that comes along in suffering. And while I know that there's a lot of trauma that I went through, through this process and that I caused in this process, but I don't truly believe that I can say I regret it. Now, another question I have is what mental effects did being in this game have for me? Now, that's a whole conversation in itself. There's so much that came out of it. My inability to trust people, the way I approach situations and how cautious I am, how paranoid I am. Um, and that's not because I'm worried about them. This is the way we were trained to be. We were always trained to be cautious and mindful, to think that the on the other side of that door is the attack. So we have to be prepared to defend ourselves at all times. Uh, when I walk in a room, I identify every exit. When I walk in the room, I identify multiple items that I can hurt somebody with because that's the way we were trained. You know, we were we were taught to always be prepared to complete the mission at any given time. And and that's that's a rough way to be. My conscience, you know, I I, I was trained to know how to just turn off, to tune out and not care what happened to anybody and that's a rough thing because sometimes i can feel that get away from me every now and then and i can get to a point even with my own family where i just don't care you know and that's not good it's not good not to care so i've had to go through counseling and and coaching and and emotional building to get myself back into a position where i could function normally that's why i say that that 3 years right after I left is so important. It's so vital because there's so much that happened in that three years that gave me the ability to actually function normally in the world. I, I probably would have to say that that three years afterwards was probably more important than the 10 years before because so much of that three years and the time that I spent with different individuals, just getting back to normalcy it was rough it was really rough but it happened and i was able to kind of return back to who i was supposed to be and where i was supposed to be but i still have nightmares anybody that's close to me will tell you my wife would say it all the time you were fighting in your sleep screaming yelling the whole nine yards i mean i was really really tormented and i still have dreams about this guy and things that happened I still have nightmares to this day about this situation. All right, so the final question that I'm going to answer today 
And I know it's been a little lengthy, but this is a really sensitive subject and there's a lot that I can say about it. What can parents do to keep their children out of gangs and cults? Well, honestly, the best answer I can give you for this is parents need to be parents. You see, there's a portion of parental responsibility that appears to have gone lacking in generations more recent than not. I remember my mom was constantly involved in where I was and what I was doing on a regular basis. And I still slipped into the situation that I was in. But there are so many parents out there right now in today's world that aren't giving their children the same level of care that older generations gave there. There needs to be an urgency inside of any parent to understand that their child needs attention. Their child needs care. Their child needs comfort. But if if you're a guy and you have children, it is imperative that you spend as much time in those children's lives as you possibly can. Don't abandon your children to their mother. Now, understand that this goes both ways. Women, you need to be there for your children. But men, there is something special about your presence in your child's life. You bring a stability in their life that cannot be replaced. Remember, the mother is the nurturer, but you are the foundation that they build their stability off of. And when that stability goes lacking, then people begin to stray and turn towards what can keep them stable. So if you're a parent, You need to make sure that you are constantly injected into your child's life. And you need to be more than just a guide rail for what they do and don't do. You need to be intimately involved in what goes into their eyes, ears, what they eat, how they think. You need to constantly engage in conversations with them about things that matter every day. And once you start to notice any new behavior, any red flags, anything that is different than the way that they have previously act, you need to do some type of investigation. If they start to display a certain change in mood, if they start to display a certain change in fashion, in how they interact, how they talk, what they do. You need to be on point because all of those are signs that they could be being influenced from some type of substance that has absolutely nothing to do with you or the way that they should be brought up. But noticing it isn't enough. You need to engage. If your child begins to display some type of affiliation with a group that you don't know anything about, you need to be doing some type of homework and injecting yourself into that activity so that you can find out whether or not this is an action that you're going to allow to happen in your house or not. So it is fundamentally a requirement that parents make sure that you are actively engaging in the day-to-day actions of your child. They are your children. They are your responsibility. And when they go astray, you or the one that will be held accountable. All right, so I know this is long. I know it's lengthy. I know this is a little bit different than what we normally do, but this is just the beginning. So the things that I've said in this one, 
You know, I know it's kind of a tease, but next week we're going to get directly into the very beginning of how this all started. I hope that there are things that people learned from me today that will help you in the long run and dealing with the possibilities of being drawn into a group like this. And I'll say it again because I can't say it enough. If there is anybody listening to this podcast that has been sucked into this type of organization, I'm here for you. I'm willing to help you any way I possibly can. Reach out to me and I will respond. Take care, guys. God bless you. Peace.